The brothers and sisters in Christ, may the Lord give you his peace. Amen? Today we celebrate the feast in our church called the Epiphany. The Epiphany, which means the manifestation that God allows his divinity to shine through his humanity. In other words, we celebrate a glimpse of God. Now, there's actually three elements to the celebration of the Epiphany traditionally in the church. Next weekend, for example, is the baptism of the Lord. That's one Epiphany when the Father sends down the Spirit in the form of a dove to, to rest on his Son and declares him his beloved Son in whom he is well pleased. I won't get too caught up in that because that's next week's theme, but it's an extension of the Epiphany, the God glimpse, the glimpse of God. And then there's the wedding feast of Cana, which is where Jesus worked his first miracle in Cana in Galilee. And again, that manifests his divinity. And we got a glimpse of God. And by extension, we can say that there are other glimpses of God through all the actual miracles of Jesus, the multiplication of loaves and fish, the walking on water, the healings, and all the miraculous things that he, he said and did. Those were epiphanies in the larger sense of the understanding, the manifestation of a glimpse of God. And then, of course, we have what we celebrate today, properly speaking, the Feast of the Epiphany, which is when three men from the East, Magi as they are called, came on a journey, a spiritual journey, to find the newborn King of the Jews. And when they found him, they saw God. They got a glimpse of God. Now, they had been searching for God in many wrong places. They were believed to be astronomers or astrologers. And so they would look for the gods in the stars and in the sky. But they found God instead in this manifestation of the divinity shining through the humanity of a newborn baby, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They got a glimpse of God. So that's what we celebrate today, a glimpse of God following a spiritual journey. Now, all of us in times of our life might want to have a glimpse of God. And maybe we've been blessed to have actual glimpses of God's goodness, His grace working in our lives. Perhaps it was when we held our newborn baby for the first time, and we looked and we said, ah, God is good. This child couldn't be here if not but for God. Or we see it in nature. We see it in some sign that God gives to us. And other times maybe we're in that searching posture. We're searching for God like the three magi were searching. God, where are you? I need a glimpse of you. I need a glimpse of God. And so our life is characterized by experiences of glimpses and searching for God. And this is kind of expressed in the church's spirituality through what we call pilgrimage. In fact, the church is called the pilgrim people of God. We're on a pilgrimage through life to our final destination, which is heaven, where we get the ultimate glimpse of God. We see him in the beatific vision for ages unending. But we have pilgrimages as part of our spiritual journey. Now, when I say pilgrimages, we can mean different things by that. Certainly, we've all had the experience of one sort or another, or at least heard of somebody sharing an experience of going on a pilgrimage, say, to the Holy Land. Often those pilgrimages are kind of, have a touristy feel to them. They're not bad. I don't want to bad it. I've been on that sort of a pilgrimage myself. But you generally stay in nice hotels, you get nice food, you have nice spiritual experiences, and you might even get glimpses of God in that. But we know that that's not what life is all 
like for us. It's not always the comfort of a nice hotel. It's not always the joys of good food. So in the church's history, the more prevalent kind of pilgrimage didn't involve those comforts of creatures at all. They were very arduous journeys. Now, I've had the opportunity as a Franciscan friar to be on some of those kinds of pilgrimages also. So, for example, when I was a novice, we did a walking pilgrimage. It was close to 200 miles of journey over the course of nine days, a novena of walking days, several miles a day, like force marches every day for, for, for nine days. And as we walked from Montreal City to Cap de Madeleine along the St. Lawrence River, beautiful scenery, beautiful uh, things to behold, but there was you know, no place to really stay except for churches on the, the journey. So we made arrangements to stay at different churches. So we'd sleep on the floor. And those Canadian churches, all the floors are not these nice carpeted floors like we have here. They're the hard marble cold floor, you know. And so we had the hardship of that kind of a journey. And the food wasn't very good. And actually, it was rather arduous because we had expected that there was going to be a large group pilgrimaging with us on this journey to Cap de Madeleine from Montreal City. But it turns out there was only like a few lay people that joined us. So we had 17, 18 friars and about three or four lay people. So normally when you have a group like that, you would intersperse, you get to know new people, it would make the time pass, it would kind of be kind of a fun thing. But we were stuck with each other. And by the time we got to Captain Madeline, it's the actual miracle was that we didn't kill each other. You know, it was not so easy. But that's what it was like. And when you get to Captain Madeline, it's a glorious experience. You have a fulfillment of a difficult journey. You get a sort of a glimpse of God. Another similar pilgrimage that I went on actually wasn't too far from here. It begins in Great Meadows, New Jersey, up in the north, and you go through Frenchtown across the bridge, through the hills and up and downs, and you end up in Doylestown at the Our Lady Chesterhova Shrine in Doylestown. Very glorious pilgrimage. That was not quite as long. It was rather arduous as well, and it had its own experiences of inconvenience. If you ask Deacon Stephen, one of my favorite sayings is, learn to live with inconvenience. Well, I learned to live with inconvenience with pilgrimages, believe it or not. So, on the one hand, we had one night where we got rained out. Now, fortunately, I was trained as a Marine, so I knew smart enough to put my tent at the top of the hill. But some of the friars put their tents at the bottom of the hill, and as the rain came, it accumulated. I have a distinct memory of now Father Anthony, then Brother Anthony, trying to get out of his tent because his tent was being inundated with water, and he just did a face dive into the mud. Inconvenience. And sometimes life is kind of like that, isn't it? You know? And then I have to say that the food in the evening, this was a largely Polish-driven event, and there was a lot of people involved in this. This was a grand production, but, and they do it every year, so if you're ever interested, let me know and I'll hook you up. But um, the evening me meals were like kabasi and, um, you know, galumki and pierogies, the good Polish food. The lunch was, by contrast, very horrible. Basically sandwiches, and they were kind of not the best sandwiches in the world. Now, you were lucky if you got a ham and cheese, right, or maybe a tuna fish or an egg salad or something. You were unlucky, at least if you were me and most people that I was with, you felt unlucky if you got what is called souse. I don't know if you've ever seen souse, but it's a big gelatinous blob of fat that has chunks of meat in it, and they say it tastes good. <laughs> it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And I got soused quite a few times on this journey. 
So, um, inconveniences. But again, you get to the shrine in Doylestown, and it's glorious. You have all kinds of people who didn't make the pilgrimage or did it before but couldn't do it again. They're there singing, and you're entering into this triumphant journey, journey's end. So it's kind of meant to symbolize coming to the end of life and entering into the beatific vision. So come back to the theme of today's Mass, the Epiphany, and it was all about a pilgrimage, a journey of faith of three, well, we don't even know for three for sure, but that's what we customarily um, celebrate is the three wise men, the three magi, the three kings, whatever you want to call them. But there were three or so individuals who journeyed from the east to encounter a king. And it was a king not just of you know, earthly proportions, but of divine origin, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And one thing to note is that this glimpse of God prompted them to do two things, at least. One is that they gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They made a, a personal gift to the king, to, to God. And also, they were changed, they were transformed. They were changed by the glimpse of God. So they went home, as St. Matthew tells us, by a different route. They were no longer seeking for God in the stars or in the false things, the false promises of the universe, but they sought and encountered the one true God and stayed faithful to him. To this day, we venerate the three kings as Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, three saints of the church whose shrine is in Cologne in Germany. They have a shrine there with their bones there. In fact, during the World Youth Day of 2005, which was another pilgrimage I got to go on, kind of a middle-of-the-road experience, had some hotel, some sleeping outside. It was kind of a nice experience. Uh, we visited that shrine. And the theme of that shrine, the theme of that World Youth Day that year was we have come to adore him. Now, what's significant about that, we have come to adore him, is that St. John Paul the Great declared that World Youth Day and that theme in 2005, which was the year of the Eucharist, if you may can recall back that far. So that it really reminds us that we're ultimately called to encounter Christ God in that weekly epiphany or even a daily epiphany of Christ in the Eucharist. So how do we live out this experience as a pilgrim people on earth? How do we get glimpses of God? Well, I think we can sum that up in the experience of the three gifts that the three magi gave to Christ. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, I think it represents Christian charity. It's when we get a glimpse of God in others, even those who may not necessarily deserve it from us. We see God in them, and it's kind of summed up in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. Whatever you do to the least of my brothers or sisters, you do to me. So when we do good things for other people, we recognize their human dignity, even though they may be different. They give us a glimpse of God. And then the, the myrrh, which is a sign of suffering or sacrifice, right? When we give that gift, that means that we allow ourselves to go out of our way to do something for others that cost us something, not just out of charity, but, but even more so, something very difficult for us to do. And in that, we have solidarity with Christ, who suffered for us. So we become Christ to others. So not only do we get to see Christ in others, but we get to be Christ for others. And in that we fulfill the words of St. Paul who said, let us make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ in our own bodies. That is not to say that Jesus' sufferings was deficient, 
but that it is extended historically through our participation in it, in giving of ourselves in a sacrificial way to others. Now, this is a very difficult thing to do. Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, gives us the remedy by seeking Christ in the Eucharist, which is the incense, the worship that we bear to God. She says, I spend time with Jesus, beholding him in the Eucharist, so that I can recognize him in the poorest of the poor, and so that I can love him in a Christ-like way. So that she sees the gold and the myrrh through the Eucharist. Now, when we come to Mass each week, we come to worship. We come to worship. That's an important thing to kind of get into our minds because sometimes in some circumstances the Mass can be reduced to a social gathering. It could be thought to be maybe happy clapping. Mass is boring or that kind of a thing. And we become focused on each other and the human elements and we lose sight of the divine elements. But our Eucharistic eyes are to be trained on Christ who's truly present in the Eucharist who is the body, blood, soul, and divinity there present for us and that bread is changed. It is changed into Christ. The wine is changed into Christ. And when we receive that changed bread and wine, the Eucharist, into ourselves, then it changes us. The encounter with God is meant to change us so that we can recognize Christ in others through the gold of Christian charity, so that we can be Christ to others through the myrrh of sacrifice, and so that we can give glory to God who lives and reigns forever and ever and continue to bring Christ into the world until the end of this pilgrimage of life on earth when we shall all gloriously enter into the beatific vision, which is the ultimate end of our pilgrimage, is to see God face to face, unending, to see his and behold his beauty, not veiled by human flesh, not veiled by others, not veiled within ourselves, but to see God as he is. And that is what we celebrate today, that one day that destiny awaits all of us if we live out that pilgrimage well. May the Lord be praised now and forever.